Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM. I'm Susie McGinn, your host today, and we're today going to be celebrating the life and legacy of Joan McHugh. And with me today is Father Michael Sparrow, SJ. Our studio guests are Rosemary Simon and Ann Oakley, and on the line also are Joan's friend, Mary Kay Williams. Before we begin, I want to, I'm going to introduce Father Sparrow in a moment, but I just want to share with you a little thought I had a few days ago as I was listening again and reading that beautiful scripture that Joan had chosen to introduce the program each week. And as I looked at this scripture, there was a line before it that I thought that we really need to focus on because she did. And this is about her. So to, Jesus says to his disciples, as he's sending them out, he says, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. So the first thing he does is he wants them to have that relationship with him. That is pr of primary importance. Then, he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons, and so forth. But this, I feel, the fact that we need to remember that verse, the kingdom of heaven is near, depicts so much of the order of Joan's ministry. And so I wanted to introduce our time today with that thought, because this is what we're going to focus on. As many of you know, our dear Joan, who uh, initiated this program four years ago, this is her baby, has um, passed away. She's gone to heaven. Our dear friend, uh, on March 2nd, her funeral was last week. And so today we have this, the great honor of remembering her in so many ways because everyone here were close friends of hers. So let me tell you a little bit about our special guest who I'm sure you're familiar with. He's been on with Joan many times, Father J. Michael Sparrow, SJ. He is a retreat director, a storyteller, itinerant preacher, and spiritual director at the Bellarmine retreat, Jesuit Retreat House in Barrington. He holds an MFA from the Yale School of Drama and a doctor of ministry from St. Mary of the Lake in Mundelein, Illinois. Father Sparrow is a prolific writer and speaker and has published extensively on prayer. His latest co-authored book is What's Your Decision? An Ignatian Approach to Decision-Making, and is published by Loyola Press. Each week, he sends out a weekly video, video homily that can be seen online. And here is the URL for that 
that video. It's H, the letter H, then the word to, T-O, again the letter H dot U-S. So H2H dot U-S. Welcome, Father Sparrow. Thank you, Susie. It's a delight to be back on the program, even though for all of us here in the studio, it's tinged with great sadness at the loss of our dear friend, Joan. Uh, so today, as you mentioned, Susie, we're going to reflect on some of the life lessons that Joan taught us, not just by her words, but by her example. And I think you introduced the program beautifully by quoting that scripture, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because there are five themes that I'd like to highlight. And the first one is Joan's deep love for Jesus through the Catholic Church and through the Eucharist. You couldn't meet Joan without knowing that she was a woman of deep faith and that she was eager to share that faith with others. It transformed her life and she was eager to share that with others. Second theme is Joan was a woman who loved her family deeply. She loved her husband, Tom, of many years. She loved her children and her grandchildren. And she often told us uh, little stories, little anecdotes in the course of the programs about uh, her family. And, uh, and as part of every program, we lift up the, the sick and the suffering. And Joan would also often include members of her own family in, that, in those prayers as well. She was a, a, uh, a prayer warrior. Uh, and she was a resource queen in terms of always having uh, different things to suggest to help people in their journey. Third theme I, I want to lift up and invite us to discuss a little more deeply today is Joan was so honest in her struggles. Uh, we were speaking with Angelo, a Angela just uh, a little bit before the program began, uh, and one of the things that stands out is Joan was so human. And uh, she was feisty, she was filled with holy boldness, and she was so much fun. So there was nothing stuffy about uh, Joan, even though she was a woman of uh, significant learning. Uh, but she put her own struggles on the line and her difficulties and traumas of her early life, her mistakes her need for counseling, her need for healing prayer. Uh, she wasn't af afraid to put that on the line. That strikes me as a very significant theme. And that's highlighted, and we'll go into this in some depth, uh, in her book, Dying to Live, My, My Path to Healing, where she talks about those struggles. Number f four is her ministry of writing and speaking. Uh, Joan also was a prolific author uh, of many books and tapes, and she was an itinerant preacher, like myself, traveling around uh, from parish to parish, from city to city. Uh, one of her favorite topics was talking about the, the Eucharist and Eucharistic uh, miracles and leading pilgrimages over to sites where some of these uh, miracles had taken place. She was the founder of Witness Ministries, uh, because she wanted to uh, use all of the contemporary technology as a way of sharing her faith and inviting people into a deeper faith walk with Jesus. And out of that, uh, fifth theme is her dedication here to WSFI. This radio station 
is what what it is today, partially through the great dedication of of Joan McHugh, working alongside with many other volunteers. But Joan was uh, a steadfast supporter of the belief of the importance of spreading the word of God through the radio ministry. Uh, Susie, as you mentioned, she was the originator and the host of this program since its origin. Uh, and she was an inveterate uh, experimenter in terms of how can we make this program all, all the more effective. Uh, and we had some lively discussions here at the radio station about the format and uh, the various speakers and the topics uh, and, and the ways of making this more engaging and uh, directly helpful for our listening audience. So we're going to uh, delve into some of these themes with uh, uh, Susie as our, our host and uh, here in the audience, uh, Rosemary and Annie and on the line, Mary Kay, uh, to lift up Joan's deep love for the Eucharist and, and the church, uh, her <coughs> love for her, her husband and her family, uh, honesty about her struggles, uh, the ministry of her writing and speaking, and her dedication to WSFI. Thanks, you Father. Um, you know, I was, I was just thinking as you were talking that um, we have on the line uh, a, a friend, a, a lifelong friend of Joan's from the East, where Joan grew up in the New York, New Jersey area. And uh, so I thought it would be good for us to start a little bit with a few of uh, her early the traumas and struggles in the beginning of her life. Most of us here are friends of about 25 or 30 years, but uh, Mary Kay will probably be able to shed a little light on this. But just to begin, uh, early in her life, uh, she was born 10 years after her brother. So there was 10 years between them. But later on in life, she found out that there had, her mother had suffered four miscarriages between the birth of her son and Joan. And her, her mother suffered greatly from depression and mental illness. So it really took her out of Joan's life in most ways. And it was hard for Joan as a young girl to understand this, why she was deprived of this relationship with her mother. Also, when she was six years old, she contracted polio, which was very prevalent at that time. Many suffered greatly. She was diagnosed and put into a hospital by herself in a ward with other children at the age of six and experienced great loneliness with her mom and dad just being able to come to the door and stand and wave to her. And she was uh, a, a girl that was raised with a economic indulgence as well as indulgence, just plain indulgence. And so it was very difficult for her to adjust to this confinement and these strangers that she was with day and night for a month. So this started trauma in her life, spiritually, psychologically, and physically. But fortunately, during her school years, which I think Mary Kay may be able to shed a little light on, uh, she had the good nuns who nurtured her along with her nanny, uh, Gertrude. 
Uh, so Mary Kay, can you uh, help us out with a little of that history of those good, was it the Madams of the Sacred Heart of Mary, is that? And Susie, can I just jump in, it's Angela here. I think we also have Candy on the line. Candy, oh, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, yes, so I'm Joni's friend of 70 years. There we go. So we have two, <clears throat> and I grew up with friends. her in New York from the time she was six. Good. Okay, so the whole gang is here. Okay, right. so Mary Kay, I, guess, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just want to make sure that we had that connection okay. All right. Okay. That's okay. I know that Candy um, had started um, with the Society of the Sacred Heart of Jesus with Joni at uh, kindergarten. So I'm going to defer to those early years. I've just known a Joni for 55 years, so can't be <laughs> on that. <laughs> we won't hold that against you. <laughs> I will say before uh, t turning this over to Candy for those early recollections that Joni was such a product of New York City. She was, um, and that can-do attitude that I think really distinguished her throughout her life that she could um, overcome adversity and she could look for opportunity to evangelize. And she did that at a very early age. And I'd like to talk a little bit later about some very recent ex experiences with Joni. Um, but first, I think, Candy, maybe you could give your recollections of those early years from age five onward. Yes, Jay, Candy, could you tell us a little bit about uh, how you and Joan related to the nuns there and how they nurtured your spirituality? Oh, absolutely. Well, I think, first of all, let me just start by saying, you know, when you're that young, <clears throat> um, you know, you were talking about Joni and her polio and um, her her. her mom's depression and everything. So I literally kind of grew up in Joni's apartment because we lived only three blocks away from me. Um, she lived on 86th and I lived 89th. So we were constantly back and forth on our parents because we were so close, they would just take the bus back and forth and walk back and forth. Um, so our time together, all the fun times, I mean, it was, I, I can't say that you know, we were. It was all about um, prayer. We did mass a lot, but I certainly wasn't um, aware of Joni as a spiritual creature. She was the person that um, I spent every weekend with, either us or her house, um, and we would, you know, go. We always spent the weekends together, overnights every every Saturday night, um, you know, and we would lie in bed and laugh and two o'clock in the morning until her mother came in and pounded on the door and said, go to sleep. But um, we, we, were, we were typical kids enjoying life in New York. I mean, we, we threw um, water bombs out the window of the 11th floor of her house. We um, at her house or at my house. Um, we, had, we had the best parties in New York. Everybody wanted to come to our house because we were fun. And... Um, and and we had lots of dancing and lots of music and I, I was Johnny was like my you know my partner in crime or you know sure. um, the 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 spirituality um, I mean her father was a dominant figure in both our lives Sabina her mother uh, was sort of um, 
I, I would say, you know, a bit in the background, she would drive us out to Spring Lake on the weekends, and she would give us our our head, you know, go out, go ahead out to the boardwalk. Girls. So she, I, we were very less aware of Sabina, other than the fact that she was an exquisite musician. And as I said at the um, funeral, she played. Um, she was an accomplished concert pianist, and so she would play. She would just kind of sit down while we were goofing around in the apartment or playing with the dog or Joni's monkey Chi-Chi or taking Danny the, the, the terrier for a walk. And she would sit down and reel off the impromptu um, with no difficulty whatsoever, except if she'd miss a note, she'd go, oh, darn, oh, darn, and she'd start <laughs> all over again. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it, that was an amazing thing. Jay Howard... They had they had a they had a difficult marriage, and I think that was traumatic for Joni because they were uh, he was very demeaning to her. He was this very accomplished woman, and that that was one thing that I did notice, and that bothered me. And I think it rubbed off on her brother that um, because he had multiple wives. You know, um, I, uh, there was always uh, Jay Howard as the uh, bon vivant. He would take us flying in his plane. Uh, on the weekends, he'd say, hey, do you want to go to Spring Lake for lunch? I mean, not Spring Lake, too, Atlantic City for lunch. And we'd fly to, you know, hop in the plane and fly up to to, to so Atlantic Candy, City. And yeah. he would take, take us out for, for dinners, you know, very, yes. I think we've got, a, um, thank you so much. We I think we got a good idea of the some of the struggles that led to the Jones' need for not only spiritual, but psychological and ultimately physical healing uh, due to her upbringing and the disorder in her home. We all come from dysfunctional homes, but I'm sure that hers was um, a little over the edge some days. Um, and, we, you know, we I didn't, I would have to tell you, I didn't. We, we, as a kid, I was very not aware of it because it was a home that was very intellectual and full of music, and we did lots of fun things. And it wasn't really until later when she would talk about it. So. Right. Uh, in her uh, books, she she does talk about um, some beautiful encounters she had with our Lord that maybe you were not privy to because uh, she she was very good at keeping things to herself, we have found. Uh, she had some yes. visions <laughs> of our Lord and um, some uh, uh, an encounter here that she records in her book, Feast of Faith. Um, one of the places that she she visited when um, she was over in Europe was um, the, the uh, shrine of St. Padre Pio. And it was at that time, I think, that a lot of what she had experienced spiritually as she was growing up in school uh, came to a head. And she realized that she really wanted Jesus to be the Lord of her life. And she wrote this prayer. She says, Dear Lord Jesus, you come gently knocking at the door of our hearts, patiently waiting for us to open the door. When we are attentive and prayerful, we hear you, like Padre Pio who opened himself to you as a young child. And that's what she did, see. I want to listen to your knocks, she says, your nudges and inspirations, your dreams and your images, your pain and sorrow. Teach me, Lord, how to welcome you in my heart, where you reside as my divine guest. Then we can dine together in intimacy. 
And I see when we were talking earlier in the introduction, this is where Joan's heart was, that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. She had invited him to be the Lord of her life. And this is what drove her uh, deeply into her own needs. So I invite um, anyone else here to, to share in the, this legacy of Joan. Yeah, let, let me just make the connection that one of the things that's distinct about the, the Jewish and Christian scriptures is that uh, the heroes of faith are their flaws and their shortcomings are not hidden. They're put out in the open. That's in contrast to so many of the sacred scriptures of other religions of the world, where they, they put their leaders up on a pedestal. But if you just think about the apostles and how often the apostles are putting their foot in their mouth, St. Peter, who's the rock of faith and, and our first pope, uh, St. Peter is always getting it wrong, going, going in the wrong direction. And our scriptures don't hide that. Matter of fact, they celebrate that because uh, that's where we all are. We make mistakes, we commit sins. And I think in that sense, that's extraordinary about Joan. She was not afraid to share her faults as strong as she was in witnessing to her faith. She talked about the sins of her early life. She talks ab about her mental struggles. She went head-to-head -head with some of the moderators on the show about the need for psychological healing as well as spiritual healing. Um, Joan, and, and, and I think that's, ex that's an extraordinary characteristic and so much needed today in our culture where our leaders, if it's like if anybody has a flaw, then they either have to deny it or, or, or push it in push it in the side but Joan Joan said these are my faults and the Lord f forgave me he's healed me and he can do the same for you just right. extraordinary witness she had, she had a beautifully formed conscience and I uh, and I know that when she did she was a frequent person at confession we're often especially during this time of Lent now but uh, all year long encouraged to go and receive the comfort and joy that God gives us as he reveals our sins to us she knew that and she had experienced it many times uh, there should we go a little bit into some of the places she looked for love father and maybe in the wrong places <laughs> yes yeah so um Joan writes in one of her books that as a younger younger woman she did have an abortion and that's something that would probably shock ma many people because as devout as she was in her life but not unlike Dorothy Day uh, a great advocate of social justice and again it fits in with with that theme of of recognizing we got to be honest that all of us make mistakes all of us commit sins and the healing that we pray for is not just physical healing but it's spiritual healing and it's emotional healing that whenever we step off the path and we take our eyes off the Lord we wound our, ourselves and Jesus wants to heal those wounds through the through the depth of his grace and Susie has a passage in in uh, one of Joan's books that's going to speak to that. Yes, um, in her book, um, Feast of Faith, 
um, she struggled with writing the last chapter of the book, but it is this chapter where she does reveal this time of her life. And she's having, at this point, a conversation with Jesus. And Joan says, Jesus, am I doing right in undressing myself in public, sharing about the abortion in this book? Please tell me precisely. Jesus answers her, Joan, how else will people be able to relate their problems to faith and dependence on me unless someone like you guides them by relating her own problems to faith and then sharing the answer? Now, this, that is the bottom line. Your lived experience is their lived experience, except many have not given their burdens to me. They want to repent but need the motivation. You can give them that because you have experienced my healing of your heart, and you will lead them to want to repent, to trust me more, and to hunger for my life in the Eucharist. And I think that that is a good segue to her, the center and the heart of her ministry, Father, the Eucharist. Absolutely. And, of course, Jesus, on the night before he died, gave us this holy gift of the Eucharist to feed that deep hunger in our hearts. Uh, St. Augustine wrote long ago, Our hearts are restless, and they will not rest until they rest in you. Um, the great saints are those who took that hunger and allowed Jesus to satisfy them. Mm. And that that was what that was transformative in Joan's life. And her faith was significantly strengthened by the miracles that have taken place through the centuries, pointing to Jesus's true presence within the Eucharist. She led uh, her, uh, she wrote a book on this, on Eucharistic miracles. She read a, led a pilgrimage uh, over to Europe in visiting many of these sites. And she never, and she did, numerous presentations uh, illustrated with slides at, at different parishes. She just never tired about talking about, this is real, this is real. Jesus is truly present, body and blood, soul and divinity. And that grace and that power is available to heal us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Absolutely. Mary Kay, would you like to uh, enter into this yes. discussion? Thank you. Thank you so much. I wanted to say that several weeks before Joan went into the hospital, she attended a spiritual retreat in Florida with several of us classmates from college and about 50 other people. And uh, the retreat theme was called to holiness. And a couple of things happened on that retreat, Susie, that I think gives insights to Joan's deep spirituality. Um, the first thing is we didn't know much about the retreat, its format, who was going to speak, or anything like that. But Joan said, it really doesn't matter. The chapel will be there. The Eucharist will be there. And she went right to the heart of the matter, to the heart of our faith, the Eucharist. And she decided on the spur of the moment, even though she was not really feeling well, as you know, she was oftentimes on a walker uh, recently, and she decided to attend the retreat in Florida. And there was another reason, is that she, her husband had died a year prior, and it was coming up on his first anniversary of his death, 
And she wondered how she would get through it. And she thought if she was at the retreat, if she was close to the Eucharist and the chapel, she she would um, help her. So she um, she went, and what she did was to minister to other widows at the retreat, and they did to her, which was a beautiful kind of unforeseen um, a fruit of that retreat. But it's the last session of the retreat that I wanted your listeners to be aware of. Um, Joni was on a walker, clearly having some health issues. But she seized the moment to heal someone else, to ask God's healing on someone else. There was a priest in the retreat house dealing with cancer, and she felt very moved that he should be anointed with some special oils that she had brought from Chicago. And another priest anointed him. She asked him, please, Father, would you come up? It was the last session. There were, oh, 50 or more people in the room. And um, he was anointed. We all prayed a blessing. And later Joan said to me, I think next year when we come back, he's going to be healed. Now, that was a, a, a prediction, but the interesting thing, and I hope it happens, but the interesting thing is Joan never asked for healing for herself on that retreat, but she felt called to help heal another person. And I would ask, Father, isn't that the heroic selflessness of saints? Thank you. Mary Kay, that is really, really beautiful. And yes, that does depict Joan McHugh to a T. Uh, you can probably hear we have the, that music, and that means our first segment is coming to a close. But we'll be um, anxious to hear more uh, from all of our participants here today who all loved Joan so much. So stay with us now. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, wishing the fullness of God's blessings upon all those who will soon be receiving a sacrament for the first time. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information, including a virtual tour, is available on Facebook. Kristen Hawkins is coming to town. Speak Out Illinois is a coalition of pro-life and pro-family organizations in Illinois whose mission it is to promote issues at the heart of the pro-life cause. Speak Out will be hosting its annual conference on Saturday, March 9th, and Kristen Hawkins, founder of Students for Life of America, will be the keynote speaker. To register, visit our website at speakoutillinois.org or call us at 773-777-2900. 
Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MAT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. My name is Bishop Paul. I'm with the Diocese of the Midwest of the Orthodox Church in America. In terms of Christian Catholic radio, wise and important, I think it's important for radio to get out the Christian message about a view of life, a vision of life that is rooted in our very being as people who are Americans. So it's good to have the radio around to be able to speak to those issues, life issues that are important. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Welcome back to Healing the Whole Person. This is Father Michael Sparrow, and we have our uh, special new host here, Susie McGinn. Uh, and we're talking today about the life and legacy of our former host, Joan McHugh, who died uh, very recently. And uh, we have uh, several friends here in the studio audience uh, and a couple on the line. Uh, we're gathering together and reflecting on Joan's life. Um, one of Joan's dear uh, girlhood friends of many years, Mary Kay, was just sharing a story of a recent retreat that uh, she was on with uh, Ali Maginney from Cincinnati and uh, with, with Joan and how even in the midst of uh, Joan's struggling with a walker, she continued to reach out to a priest who was on the retreat. Uh, one of the themes I wanted to pick up on was uh, it was very difficult for Joan in the last year of her life because she lost her husband, Tommy, and was coming up on the first anniversary of his death. And again, I keep emphasizing the humanness of Joan's struggle. She didn't hide the fact that she was grieving this loss. And as bright as she was, and here she is, this author of many books and presentations and the host of a radio show, but Joan was constantly learning, how do I deal with my grief? How do I uh, get to the other side? How do I continue to pick up this cross of, of grief? Uh, and wisdom was to be found wherever she could find it. She was eager to uh, talk to priests about that. She was eager to read. She was eager to pray. And she was eager to talk to her fellow widows. Uh, Rosemary right. and, and Susie are here in the program. And, and we had a, a program where we were just talking about that, that, that grief uh, that uh, is so paralyzing to one's heart. Rosemary, do you well, I just remember that program? I, yeah. I remember that she was talking about 
grieving for Tommy, and uh, she had <coughs> a dream, and he wasn't in it, but she saw this suitcase full of umbrellas. Do you remember oh, that? Yes. <laughs> that was her message from Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember mentioning that a friend of mine at church had said after she was widowed, she said, I felt as if everything on my body was falling apart. Things were just not right. And so I have a feeling that's what Joan was going through. <clears throat> and I can, em I can empathize with that myself since I was recently widowed. And you just ha are, you flounder and you don't really know where you're going. But I want to get back to Joan and Tom and how much my husband and I enjoyed their company because the first time we met them was on one of her witness ministries pilgrimages to Italy in 1998 and we had the time of our life and my husband wasn't too sure he wanted to do this trip um, but then when he heard that we were going to visit Cassia and St. Rita and, and Rosemary, you're reading there from the brochure, and it's right. on the Eucharistic shrines uh, and saints and saints of Italy. Italy. So, right. Yeah. We had an opportunity to go on that tour of Italy, and also one later, two years later, in uh, 2002, France. And uh, I think that Tom's little book. I mean, Joan's blurb about herself and Tom explains something that was important. She had written Feast of Faith, the book, autobiographical book of herself. But um, this is from the uh, tour booklet that she said they sent out. And she said, five years ago, we went on a 25th wedding anniversary pilgrimage to these same sites, and the blessings continue to this day. Seeing the Eucharistic miracles and rubbing elbows with the saints touched us deeply and reawakened our devotion to the Mass and the Eucharist. It was a turn in the road for us, leading us to healing in ourselves and our marriage, and to work full-time for our Eucharistic Lord. We have planned this pilgrimage almost like a retreat, leaving extra time for adoration of the Blessed Sacrament and or quiet time whenever possible. The pilgrimage will give you memories that will last a lifetime. We are excited to share our faith adventure with you. Joan and Tom McHugh. We visited Milan, the Shroud of Turin. We went to Balsina Orvieto. And we went to uh, St. John Bosco's church. And uh, we went to Assisi. And we went to Cassia, 
the home of St. Rita. And we also went to uh, Padre Pio's cast, I'm trying to remember. Shrine. Pio. The shrine. Mm -hmm. And um, the uh, Church of St. Michael, at where he was, it was um, the point from which the Crusaders set out for the Holy Land. They would go to this Church of St. Michael that was a, a very holy place. In fact, I remember that St. Francis of Assisi, when he went there, he couldn't enter. He was stopped from going forward. He was just unable to lift his feet to go in for a day. And finally, he did go in. Mm -hmm. But so, um, so I think that pilgrimage emphasizes that Joan, she wrote books, she did presentations, she took, pe invited other people to visit these sites where historical events and miracles had taken place, to walk in the footsteps of, of the saints. And obviously, that had a tremendous impact on you and your husband, Rosemary. It certainly did. Yeah. <coughs> um, Susie, you, know, you, um, Susie, you have some, some quotes, some more I quotes have, there. I do. I have um, just for those of us who had the uh, privilege of being at her funeral, um, there a dear friend of hers, Father Patrick Greenow, who used to be the guardian of Marytown here in Libertyville, Illinois. He was the presider, uh, along with several other priests and a bishop that uh, said her funeral mass. And during his homily, he told a little bit about how he met Joan and some of the things that they did together as they got acquainted over the years. But then uh, he, he told us about her, again, her love for the Eucharist, which is what we're focusing on right now. And he told us about um, the story of Simeon w at the presentation when the Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to uh, the temple uh, and presented him as according to the law. Simeon says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So Father Pat said, um, Simeon's eyes were opened, just as he said, the veil was taken back and he saw God. He saw our Lord in the presence of that child in Jesus Christ. And then he said, the same happened with Fa Padre Pio, which is why she had such a great devotion to him. And he had three-hour-long masses because he spent so much time just at the consecration, staring at that host, looking at his precious Lord. The veil for Padre Pio, too, was taken back. And he says, now God has pulled back the veil for Joan as well. And uh, so we... Uh, as Father has said, we couldn't know her very long without knowing how, what her faith mm -hmm. was. And it was centered on the real presence in the Eucharist. And this program, Healing the Whole Person, uh, points toward what we believe is the ultimate healing of that pulling back of the veil. And Joan has received that ultimate healing 
living a life of virtue with strong faith in the Lord Jesus, uh, offering up her, her sufferings, uh, we believe that she now sees her Lord and Redeemer face to face. That's the ultimate healing. And we want to, in this pilgrimage, that is life. And that's part of the power of the pilgrimages. And that's why Joan enjoyed leading people on pilgrimages, is it's a symbol of our lives as a pilgrimage. We're journey, we come from God and we journey back mm -hmm. to, God, to God. And we want to be ready to receive him when he calls us, calls us home. I want to go back, if uh, we can, again to um, the um, difficulty that she experienced um, with the abortion. And the reason I want to go back to it is because it was such a significant part of her faith and her healing. Joan hid that secret for 30 years. She was married to Tom. She never told him. She was afraid he wouldn't love her and wouldn't want to be him to, her to be his wife and the mother of his children if he knew. She was so ashamed. And on and on, it, she had buried that thought, that reality in her life. And pretty soon it did. Even a doctor noticed there was something wrong with their marriage. There was something wrong with her physically. What was it? What was causing it? He didn't know. She knew. And so it was through this um, uh, trip that uh, Rosemary so beautifully uh, outlined for us uh, in that she took with Tom and then uh, some of it on her own and is outlined in this book, Feast of Faith. It was through there that she was given that freedom, again, that I read to you earlier, to tell Tom and her children the truth. And that is when their healing in their marriage and in her body really began. So uh, I think it's a good lesson for all of us, no matter what our sins are, that we will be, feel and know and believe that they're forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it's a powerful example of what Jesus says, uh, the truth will set you free. <laughs> the truth will set you free. What uh, Pope Francis has emphasized over and over again is that God never tires of forgiving us, but we're the ones who get tired of asking for forgiveness. But when we can overcome that shame, as Joan was able to do, and sometimes it takes many years, and that's again the power for witness. For Joan, this was not overnight. This was 30 years of hi hiding that before the Lord took her to that deep place where she was able to be fully honest and in doing that she experienced a depth of forgiveness and love for the Lord and renewal of her marriage that she had not experienced prior to that. Absolutely and uh, she just she just loved her Tommy so very much and one of the things she felt when she was grieving that she missed so much she said I really lived in his shadow. And she said, I'm looking for that victory. When is it going to come? People say there's a victory in the grieving. When is it going to come? She has now received that victory that, that she wants yes. so much. And so um, we uh, ask your father to, to pray for us, pray for our listeners, and also give us your blessing in closing yes. today. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for the life and legacy of Joan McHugh. We thank you for uh, Joan's wonderful example here on earth, and we believe now as she takes her place among the communion of saints that she would continue to intercede for us as we continue our pilgrimage. We ask your healing blessing upon all of those, Lord, who are listening, those who are grieving in the loss of their loved ones, those who are struggling physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lift them up and encourage them, Lord. May some of the what we've talked about here today be a source of strength for them. May your blessing in this Lenten journey continue to sustain all of us. May you draw us closer to this Holy Eucharist that we may know you as Lord and God and Savior. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Be healed of your disease.